you like a big bowl of ice cream. But then you don't enjoy it quite as much when you just have that little tiny bit. Oh, man, you savor it. No, no, no. You need to eat a box full of it. It's time to do some laundry here, isn't it? Jeez, look at this. The crust is building up on my clothing. I should probably wash them. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't mean to digress into, you know, personal grooming habits. (laughs) And what I should be doing is, it's 8.53 a.m. Saturday, December the 16th, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane (laughs) Show. You always got to have the last p, don't you? (laughs) Always got to have the last p. Well, we have, uh, what do we got here? Look at this coloring. This is excellent coloring. I like the way all of this, the three different shades of orange-yellow, kind of converge. There's almost, there's almost a, a place where the, all the colors are together over there. I mean, if you're looking over here and then you look over there, there's a place where all three colors are together. I'm not sure where that place is, Diane, but I think it's somewhere in our house. I think so, too. Don't tell anybody. So it's been a colorful week here in Lake Abundance. Over to you. Colorful, huh? I don't know. I've had a good week, I think. I've had a good week, too, although, really, there hasn't been a lot of action. No. Uh... Other than... And I haven't written anything worth repeating this week. But I have written. So, that's okay. There's bound to be weeks like that. Right, Diane? Right. Not that it's all about me, me, me. But let's talk about me for a moment. Um, let's do. Okay, I'm done. What about the poetry break? What about the poetry break? The poetry break was has just been consistently just what I need just about the time that it happens so uh, on in terms of my life it's very nourishing in terms of my life it's very nourishing too I really appreciated um, you know singling out a couple of things from this week I really appreciated Mark Kenny's uh, contribution from Rilke Mm -hmm. um, which you said that you were thinking of me when you were reading it, and um, Mark and, said he was thinking and Mark of you. Said and Marquis said too. But when you were reading it, I had tears in my eyes because, um, and not just for myself. I one of the things I've kind of discovered this week is um, when you get into this period of time in your life where you're going through pain or. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to remedy a a bad situation Mm -hmm. it really makes you feel connected to everybody Um, i think you're kind of i think it's because all the you're resonating on like a deeper level yeah all the see whenever the problem i'm having with writing is you read something like that rilke poem and he's talking about kind of hairy fairy stuff you know I mean, just in the words that he chooses, when I try to do that, it sounds... I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Stupid. When he does it, it sounds universally... Ah, ham and eggs. ...applicable, you know? 
I think I just... we should insert the poem here. Okay, then. Let this darkness be a bell tower. Quiet friend who has come so far, feel how your breathing makes more space around you. Let this darkness be a bell tower, and you the bell. As you ring, what batters you becomes your strength. Move back and forth into the change. What is it like, such intensity of pain? If the drink is bitter, turn yourself to wine. In this uncontainable night, be the mystery at the crossroads of your senses, the meaning discovered there. And if the world has ceased to hear you, say to the silent earth, I flow. To the rushing water, speak, I am. I just... Uh, Not my best reading, I don't think. I'm just saying that now in preparation for <laughs> the fact that it probably won't be. Well, all I was going to say is that this poem, even though you were saying you were thinking of me, and then later Mark said that he did send it for me, yeah. it just made it, it just resonated like a bell. I mean, seriously, yeah. like its own, that it's just that tone that goes out and out because um, everybody has pain in their lives in some way. Yeah. And it makes you feel connected to everyone's pain, which is a weird, intimate thing. And uh, anyway, and I know Mark has had his own issues with pain and it made me feel connected to him at that moment. And uh, it just was quite astounding to me to hear you read that. And then the other one was Nils Peterson's, um, wonderful story poem about his father uh, that really resonated with me as well. Yep. I like Jean Burnett's uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that was amazing. I know. It was a really great selection of poetry well, this it week. Just, I mean, that was just what came in, what came across the transom. So yeah. it's like the people who are sending poetry in are creating the the vibe you know I didn't contribute anything to it this week but anyway I feel it's very strange to me how my uh, much like during the pandemic when we were doing the treehouse concert how my energy kind of just becomes a cycle around an hour my other 167 hours are spent on some level in preparation for the one well I it's weird I can totally understand it. And speaking of that, that weird intimacy that um, that you have with everybody who's in pain, I, I had a reminder of that yesterday. Well, actually, a couple of times this week. Mm-hmm. Um, this week was really, I don't know why, it was just really I was in the depths of the radiation treatments. There were a lot of delays as there have been and um, this one day we couldn't find parking we actually were told that the parking lot was full and Bill had to just drop me off and and search for parking and as I was walking into the office I saw 
that they were no longer turning people away and I saw a whole bunch of cars coming out of the garage. So I called Bill from the waiting room to just tell him, hey, you know, you can come in now, I think. Um, and when I called him and told him that, the man who was sitting beside me commented on the parking and how difficult it was. And, and I was telling, you know, just conversing and told him that we liked it so much better that we were one of the, the groups of people that had to come down because Northwest Hospital was um, having trouble with their linear accelerator. And, uh, and I said we really preferred that parking because it was open and we had this appointment at the first and we never had trouble parking. And, and so it was kind of interesting because in all the time that I've been going for radiation treatment, people are not talking in the waiting room. And that day, this man started talking to me, and then this other man piped up, and he said, there is the that parking um, garage down below. And I said, yes, but that's valet parking, and my husband likes to stay in the car. And he went, oh, I'm sorry, you know. But anyway, I got in a conversation with this man um, who was sitting next to me, and he was waiting for his wife, who was in the... Um, in for radiation treatment at that moment. And in the course of conversation, found out that she was just there on her second visit, um, that they were 37 years old, the two, and um, that they had children who were 12 and 15 years old, which he was very thankful for because they were old enough not to have to get care. And, um, and he had been able to telework and you know we just talked a lot about various things until all of a sudden he was called back and he had been a little worried because uh it was taking longer than he thought it should take so i was reassuring him that a lot of times even though they say it's going to be 15 to 20 minutes a lot of times it's difficult to to get the positioning right on the table and they can take a little bit of time to do that so not to worry you know and then he got called. So he went back, and then I was still sitting there when he came out with his wife behind him. Um, and I waved at him, and then I was smiling at her. And he had not had time to tell her that he had had a conversation with me or anything. But she just saw me, and then she stopped, and she said, I love how I can see that your eyes are smiling, even though you have a mask on. And I just blew her a kiss as as uh, she was exiting, and she blew me a kiss back through our masks, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, that was kind of a wonderful experience, just that. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know whether it was the next day or, or two days later, but yesterday, um, as I came out of my radiation treatment, the woman was going in and she was waiting out in the hallway because the technicians were doing something. And I said, hi, you know, and I, at that time, I didn't have a mask on because uh, I take off the mask while I'm getting the treatment so I can breathe. You have to do a lot of held breaths. And she just said, oh my gosh, you know, I have to say, your eyes, you know, 
the other day and today, they just bring me such comfort. And I was thinking, what is it that is coming out of me that's giving her comfort? But, But then we just got in a quick conversation. She was saying, my husband told me about your conversation, and I understand that you're almost through with your radiation treatments and I said yeah just three more and and she said how are you doing and I said oh I'm doing good you know the main side effects are a real massive sunburn on my um, chest and um, under my arm under my breast and um, and the breast and she and I said I'd be happy to show you if you want to and I just kind of pulled the the gown down, down enough so she could see some of the the um, way my skin looked and and I um, said I have a little fatigue and and she said um, oh that's so good to know because you I've been searching this out too yeah. you you want to know what could be in your future you right. know and um, then I just said, just use the calendula cream. It's really good stuff. And and then she said, oh, okay, okay. And then the technician came out to take her into the room. And and uh, as she was leaving, I blew her another kiss. She blew me a kiss. And she uh, said to the technician as she was walking in the door, I love that woman. <laughs> and I was just thinking how much, how quickly. Yeah you become intimate <coughs> with people when you are in those situations because you are at a low point you have nothing to uh uh to be proud of or to try to say look at me or <laughs> there's just pure soul to soul and I don't know. It was it was quite a wonderful experience, and I wanted to share it because of that. And that's why I think that the idea of a bell for that poem is so important, because that idea that the sound is being made here, but it's traveling throughout, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just like that marvelous line... Do not ask for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee. Just like that, Diane? It is. Yeah. You know, that idea that we're all in this situation. And it gives you such compassion for humanity, you know? So, I don't know. Sometimes I think about these things and think about the... Uh, amazing qualities of being a human in both joy and pain and how intensely wonderful it is you know and uh, many people may have seen a quote that I put up from a book that I am now reading uh, The Inner Work of Age shifting from role to soul but i'm going to read it here because i just think it's so amazing and i'm going to include a little bit more than i had actually uh posted but it said 
By the time we are old, we have lived long enough to know what we and the world are capable of. The heights to which we can rise and the depths to which we can sink. Perhaps evolution has given us old age because it takes so long to get beyond denying, defending, and storytelling to live life in its intended intensity. Few of us become willing to take on the potential for the pain of awakening before we have tried every apparent shortcut, and there are many. At long last, we run out of options, panting across the boundary to this new land inhabited by a handful of others like us, old brave souls who are struggling to become not only older and wiser, but fiercer. And uh, this was written by a woman named Carol Orsborn, who is an author and blogger. And it was in a book called Older, Wiser, and Fiercer. But uh, the author of this book talked to this author, and it said, Carol told me in a private conversation, at 63, I wasn't who I used to be, and I needed to pick up the spiritual practice I had begun in my 20s to be able to see things and accept things as they are. She spent a period sitting in uncertainty, shedding her previous life, heeding an inner call to step out of the whirlwind and walk along the riverbank near her home and not to worry about what anyone else thought. Her advice, don't wait to start your spiritual practice until it's too late. We need that clear, quiet awareness to center us in the midst of the hits that keep coming with age. I just love, I love this book. Yeah. I really recommend it. I'm going to just give you the author's name again, Connie Zweig, Z-W-E-I-G. She's really sifting through a lot of wonderful authors, and I've been picking up uh different books that I'm going to Your be reading. Your library is yeah, expanding she's, as you read? Yes, yeah, yeah. she's been throwing the breadcrumbs and I'm picking them up, you know. Yeah. That one, that book by that other person sounds pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I've already... Older, wiser, fiercer. Yeah. But I just feel like this is just a person who's making observations as we all do when we're in this place. But I love that she was writing about the denying and storytelling that you do when you're young. Because I do think, I mean, I look at my own life and I would say that that's really true. And you're, you're trying to build something, you're trying to build something up about who you are. But in the end, it's almost like you're having to kind of deconstruct who you are. It's happening anyway. Yeah. You know, you're not able to... <laughs> one of the, the ba basic elements of this book is just saying just like I read last week, who am I if I'm not well? Well, who am I if I can't, if I don't have the capacity to do the things that I once did? And every step along the way of your physical issues is also requiring a mental catch-up, you know, of what you're going through. And I like that. And I, I totally understand when people say, well, I'm going to keep on you know, trying to do the things that I did. I'm not saying you need to give give up. 
but I do believe that your body is is actually taking you through some of the things that you need to also do spiritually and mentally, you right. know. Right. So well, so for me this has been quite an amazing time. I have not been feeling um picked on or anything about this circumstance I'm in. It's it's been a time to really dive deep into this kind of work, which yeah. is amazing. There's, the a other, lot, there's a lot there. The other thing that I love about this book is that it's structured in such a way that if you choose, you can go through each chapter and they, she gives you some practices. And one of the ones, for example, for this chapter that I'm just reading, which is called Aging from the Inside Out, um, she had your divine messengers in what form did the summons come to you you know what the what made you think about i'm on this path now how did you respond what part of you resists and stops you from responding what are the consequences of resistance i really love those questions but the other thing that i i loved that i kind of wanted to talk to you about is uh her other one, which is your perception of old. In childhood, how did you view old people? In midlife, how did you old view old people? How do you view them now? What are your deepest fears about aging? What are your greatest pleasures in aging? And I was talking to my brother yesterday, and I said, you know, I think a lot of the reason why I'm not afraid of claiming to be old is that I loved old people from my childhood mm. and from my midlife. You know, I love to be around people who are older than me, still do. I mean, there's fewer of them, but, um, but some of my, my elders who are in their 90s at this point are some of the favorite people I want to hang out with. Yeah. And in my family... I always, when I think of an elder in my family, I think of my grandpa Schulstad, who was just this amazingly radiant person without calling attention to himself. And he was grateful for everything. He'd just be sitting there basking in the wonders of life and loved to be around us kids, was the a great grandpa. I don't remember him talking very much. He was always doing something, but right. but it was just him, just the way that he radiated this contentment and joy. Um, and I know that back in those days, it was an honor to be an elder, and they did not feel... I don't remember my grandparents ever talking about, oh, I don't want to be old, you know. <laughs> I think that that's something that came maybe along with our generation. I don't know. I don't know. What about you? What? About your perceptions of old when you were a child. Uh, well, I was around a lot of old people when I was a kid. My, I remember my... Nano and Baba, my mom's folks, and Aunt Cecil and Uncle Lloyd. And we spent a lot of time with those folks. 
don't know my perception. And then in midlife, I don't think I noticed them. You know, I don't think I noticed old people much. Well, I think that in midlife, I always think, well, I wasn't really even in my midlife. In my 20s, yeah. I had the joy of one of my best friends, Susie Gray, being 40 years older than me. And, oh, man, what a what a bright, funny, live wire of a woman. And she was a person that I thought, man, I really... I really see how you can age with a lot of zest, you know. Mm-hmm. And my parents were that way, too. Um, but I'm just talking about outside of the family. It's a little easier to, when you're uh, that age, to admire some other elders in your life. Yeah. She was the one who really got me interested in in the whole uh concept of aging which i've been interested in since my 20s and as a developmental stage rather than just uh something to dread you know i still remember this book that i got during that time that i was hanging out with susie that was talking about um it was actually a photo book i think i know the book you're talking about uh and it had just small text of different older people talking about what it was like to be old and i still remember the one that that really impressed me the most that i still remember was this woman saying everything i learned when i was young has all been disproven nothing i learned was what is true now and that's very true of us now you know the so many things are found and you just are learning you think it's this solid thing that you can have forever but actually it's it's moving it's like a river you know knowledge is like a river it's not like a stone that's sculpted you know so i love that and that's always been in my mind ever since I read it in my 20s. Yeah. So. Well, I think. Uh, I think poetry is my spiritual practice. Um, and it's. It gives me everything I need, really, I think. But and it's I, also something that by participating in it. Um, I'm always trying to figure out how to say something so it doesn't sound stupid. Anyway, you just keep hacking away at it. Well, I think it's a wonderful spiritual practice. I do too. And it's something that you can, there's no bottom to it. Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee. You can go as deep as you want to go. You boy. I think that's the thing about poetry. It's good coffee. That is unique from other forms of writing is that it's the intent is to register uh, on a deeper frequency in your body and in your mind and in your heart and however you whatever part of you you extend into the into the consumption of the poem you know I don't know well my I think my spiritual practice is 
is connecting with other ideas, you know, like this woman's book, um, talking to other people, hearing what their ideas are and, and, uh, contemplating them in my deeper levels. And of course, mythology is another, um, favorite and visual arts is, uh, are very much all um, things without bottoms. All things without bottoms. But I, I don't feel like you have to participate in a particular spiritual practice that's even defined, right. whatever the thing that brings about the spirit in you and yeah. gives you a different way to contemplate things. Well put, Diane. Well, and I, I think a lot about the fact that I had that I'm thinking when I'm thinking of an elder, I'm thinking of my grandpa Shulstead, rather than my grandmother Louise, I'm going to call her, um, my mother's mother, who had a stroke and was half paralyzed. I don't think about, oh my gosh, well that could happen to me as much, you know, and and it could. Uh, and that was, uh, I was being presented with the the things that I would be excited about being an elder and the things that make you feel terrified of being an elder <laughs> in the <laughs> same family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, my grandmother's stroke took away her personality. It took away her ability to talk and you've got, in the you've same way. you've got the way. whole movies of her when she had her vitality and she was, she was oh, a force man. to be reckoned with. She was a force to be reckoned yeah. with. So. I wish that I had been able to know her then. Yeah. Um, and be able to have the memories of her that my cousin does. She kind of reminds me of my of my mom in a way. Just you know, my mom was pretty fierce right up to the end. She was fierce up to the end. Yeah. Well, and that's why I don't know. I've I've loved being around elders, and I hope that that uh, when I get into my eighties and nineties, if I do, yeah. that I will have other people who like to hang out with me that are young, so. Yeah. But, but I do believe that there's a lot of inner work to do during this time. Yeah. Um, and I love the way that this book is laid out and um, and the, the ideas that it's bringing about. And especially during this time where I can't really do a whole lot but meditate on things like this. Yeah. Um, it's a it's another way to get at something within so but other than that um today i'm going to be festooning the house oh today is the day eh? or, yeah the winter solstice is next week and i'd like to i'd like to start changing i love the fall decor so much that yeah. i'd never want to let it go until the last well, we've always got time. it though we do because we've, we've got, got the we got the walls. We've got the yellows and oranges and browns, um, which are the fall. I love the fall colors, so it's hard for me to let them go. We still have some around the on I the know. trees around I here. Know. There's a few trees that are just holding on. It's pretty amazing. So the music today is. Um, I was trying to think of something that would represent the fact that I'm going into my last week of radiation treatments. Yes, when next we speak, 
it'll all be over. Uh, I only have three more. There's only three links on my paper chain left. And uh, now I'm into what is called a boost, which is... uh, Where they're just blasting the site of the tumor. Yeah, Yeah. and there's only four treatments of that. Um, It's been quite interesting. Uh, But... Mm. But it really made me feel like when I, because I had my first boost treatment yesterday. So it made me feel like, ah, I am on the last leg of all this. So um, I was trying to think of a song and then I thought, well, I really want to also represent the holidays because we're in that time. And I don't want this period, even though I have to lay low for christmas season this year i don't want it to just go by like it was an ordinary day you know oh 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 <laughs> well i'll feel pretty jolly i'm alive that's yeah. <laughs> that's I, a start I feel pretty jolly you know so um i thought about the song my dancing day um it's too short well that's why we're gonna play it two ways oh. one instrumental and one from the from our both of our from favorites Bob? from Robert Shaw Corral, yeah. um, which both Bill and I, uh, our families had, had those these. albums when we were kids. Yeah, so we know those melodies very well and those arrangements. One of the things that I loved about the Robert Shaw Corral albums that we had is they had a lot of unusual right. songs rather than just all the things you were hearing in the stores yeah. piped in um and i loved patapan yes. and bring a foom, torch foom 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 bring a torch Jeanette isabella yeah. Yeah. i loved all those and i love my dancing day i just always thought it was such a gorgeous song and um and i thought well that that day, uh, the last day of my radiation treatment, will be my dancing day. It's going to be a red letter day, despite the fact that the radiation effects. side effects mm-hmm. are not going to peak until mm-hmm. up ten to days ten days later. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, not having to go in for the daily, daily mm-hmm. massive assaults on my system will be nice. nice. So, yes. so. A little holiday cheer. Tomorrow shall be my dancing day. I would my true love take so chance to see the bell. 